1: Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for, and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we're going to hear a challenging word from Pastor Sean Azaro, as every day we face challenges to our convictions, which sometimes are threatening. Have you noticed the hostility on Facebook? Friends and family relationships are torn. So what do we do with these moments, especially when our faith is the conviction being challenged? In the Bible, there's three guys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with an example of courageous living that ended up with an inspiring result. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. Today's part two of the message called The Power to Inspire. It's time for Radio for Real Life.
2: Important note before we go on. And this is really significant. The inspiring speech, you remember the speech? We love this part because this is, a fairly, this is a familiar story. We love the inspiring speech of verses 16 through 18. Remember, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O king, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace." And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he doesn't, be it known we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image you've set up. And we just go, mmm, I could have a church. Preach it, boys. Mmm, We get excited. Yeah, look at that. And we I mean, really, that 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 little speech kinda gets me fired up and I mmm I can feel my backbone getting stronger right now. You know what's interesting? That speech didn't do much for Nebuchadnezzar. It does a lot for us. And it should. I I, I think it should. But it didn't it's not what influenced Nebuchadnezzar. Because when he said that, he just got when they said that he just got mad and threw him in the fire. He was not moved like, wow, great speech. Man, guys, well no, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. You guys come sit by me now. We'll throw someone else in the fire. He wasn't moved by the speech at all. But something changed when they lived their conviction right before him by refusing the idol, and choosing the furnace. Now that was inspiring. That changed him. It was the power of conviction lived out right before his eyes that transformed this guy, changed his perspective. In fact, real quickly here, I want to suggest that Nebuchadnezzar saw four things. That living our convictions always makes visible to those around us. Four things. That when we live our convictions, Always become visible. Number one, when we fearlessly live out our convictions, people will see Jesus. When we fearlessly live out our biblical convictions as followers of Jesus Christ, not when we talk about them, but when we live them out, people will see Jesus. I love that picture of them in the fiery furnace. And he Nebuchadnezzar's looking, he goes, Wait, there's four guys. They're all fine. And the fourth one's kind of like a son of the gods. How does he know what a son of the gods looks like? I don't know. Theologians think that that wasn't necessarily an angel. Could be. We don't know for sure. But they believe it was a pre-incarnation manifestation of Jesus Christ himself, the son of God. And that Nebuchadnezzar was given almost a prophetic wisdom in seeing what was happening before him. When we live our convictions fearlessly, people will see Jesus. I'm not saying we shouldn't declare the truth verbally. I'm not saying that we shouldn't speak. But there's something about when you live it, when you're under fire, and you stand up for your convictions that causes people to see Jesus in a way that is different. I love One of my favorite passages is in Acts chapter 4. Remember what happened in Acts 3? Peter and John, there's a crippled guy, and they pray in the name of Jesus, and the guy's healed. And the religious leaders who thought, oh man, we were done with this Jesus. We crucified him. He's gone, right? Well, not so much. And they bring him in, and they are literally on trial. Okay, they are on trial before the Sanhedrin. And they start testifying about Jesus, fearlessly. Read it. Some great stuff. And it says in summation, kind of Acts 4, 13 and 14. I love this. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated common men. And what that means is they had not been through the proper rabbinical schools. They did not have the higher education. They were just regular working guys. But when they perceived, they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were un- uneducated common men, they were astonished. It's like, where would these guys come from? But they recognized that they had been with Jesus. God help us. I want people to look at us and be able to go, well, what is it about you? And they don't have to like it. These guys are on trial. They don't have to like it, but they say, what is it about there? There's something familiar. Oh, yeah, you've been with Jesus. It's obvious. It goes on to say, verse 14, but seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Oh, that people could look at us and see Jesus. I want people to look at my life and be able to see Jesus. The healing power of Jesus. The love, the forgiveness, the grace of Jesus. The saving power of Jesus. The turning over the table, Jesus. When defending God's house and his faith. All of it, Jesus. Because these guys are standing before this council that actually has legal authority to punish them. And standing up and talking about Jesus. Under threat of beating and imprisonment. That conviction, it's like, oh, yeah, they recognize, yeah, they've been with Jesus. I can see it. I think when we fearlessly live out our convictions in this world, whatever that looks like, whenever the, the occasion, people will see Jesus. That's why the power to inspire is found in fearlessly living out your convictions. A second thing I think becomes obvious. Nebuchadnezzar saw it. I think others will too. When we fearlessly live out our convictions, it becomes obvious whom we serve. It becomes obvious whom we serve. One of the coolest lines in this whole story is when he refers to them and he calls to them in the fire. And he says, guys, servants of the most high God. I love that part. He calls to them. Servants of the most high God. Wait a minute, I thought they were Nebuchadnezzar's servants. They were slaves from Judah that he'd been brought into his service. But all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar recognizes, yeah, I'm the king, I got armies, I can sack cities and all, that's cool. I can't do that. Isn't it cool when even world leaders step back and recognize there is something bigger happening. There is someone bigger. And he looks at these guys who are his slaves and says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out of there. That's awesome. When we fearlessly live out of convictions, it becomes obvious whom we serve. It becomes obvious there's something bigger at work. And interestingly enough, it becomes obvious that they weren't serving themselves. Because nobody who's serving themselves says, yes, I'll go get thrown into a fiery furnace. Yes, I'll take the punishment. I'll lose money. I'll lose the deal. I'll lose my job. I'll whatever. People who are serving themselves don't do that. People who are following another leader, living a life of conviction, do. It becomes obvious you're not serving yourself, you're serving Jesus. It becomes obvious when you stand for conviction, even when it means this might hurt a little bit. This is going to leave a mark. This is not about me. I want to suggest living out our convictions will always cost us. At some point or another, it will always cost us. But that cost illustrates that you're serving something bigger, something outside yourself. For us, it means we are serving Jesus. Jesus prepped us for this. In Luke chapter 6, he's sharing kind of the Luke version, probably another account of what he shared in Matthew 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, actually. Luke 6, through 26 says, Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, and revile you, and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. I don't understand the blessed part, Jesus. Because that doesn't sound good to me. But he says, blessed are you when they hate you, exclude you, revile you, spurn you. Spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. I will say, um, I'm not sensing us leaping for joy as the heat gets turned up on us. Not a lot of celebration. And maybe we should. Maybe we should pay attention. And then he goes on to say, but, but woe to you who are rich, for you've received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you'll sh- you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when, people, when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Now you're like, wait a minute, Jesus, so you're against me making a few bucks? Are you against me laughing, having a good time? You're against me being well? What's wrong? I don't think that's what Jesus is saying at all. Now we get confused with that passage and so we kinda of just dismiss it and go, yeah, that's wow, I don't know what to do with it, and we move on. I think what he's saying is if if your faith is costing you nothing, it might not really be faith. If your faith isn't actually costing you anything, because when you actually follow him, when you follow a different leader, you follow Jesus, you are going to go against the grain of culture. And some people are not going to like that. That's all Jesus is saying here. He's saying if no one is ever bothered by your following of Jesus, you might not be following Jesus. I just want to challenge us on that. There's something something significant for us to think about. Because when you talk about people respecting people of faith, even whom they disagree with and think they might might think they're crazy, but they respect people who stand for their convictions, I'm afraid this nation has lost their respect for followers of Jesus because far too many of us have not stood for our convictions and let the chips fall where they may.
1: Now let's take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Radio for Real Life with Senior Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called The Power to Inspire, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And there, if you're able to bless back, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Again, find the Give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean.
2: God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.
1: And now the conclusion to the message, The Power to Inspire. This is radio for real life.
2: When we fearlessly live out our convictions, it becomes obvious whom we serve and if they treated Jesus the way they treated him, if they treated his followers, his apostles, the way they treated them, why would we expect that we'd never have people who would treat us that way? when you understand that, by the way, and, and, you know, okay, it doesn't say, when people persecute you because you were a jerk, okay, that's not what was talking about, okay? So that doesn't count. If you go, oh, they're persecuting me. Why? Well, because I did this. Oh, yeah, that's not persecution. That's justice. Okay, that's just right. In fact, I'm wanting to persecute you right now, just hearing your story, you know? <laughs> Unnecessary editorial comments. No, he says, but for... for for the sake of your faith. When you find yourself walking through and going through something and for the sake of your faith, you begin to experience the heat being turned up because you know you're following Jesus and you're having to take a stand and someone is now coming against you because of that. It is cause to rejoice. It is cause to say, Jesus, thank you. Because you know you're on the right track. The power to inspire is found in fearlessly living out your convictions. Number three, and now this is where it kind of becomes, turns into some of the good news. He says, when we fearlessly live out our convictions, God's power is on display. God's power is on display. I love how verse 27 tells us that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. It had no power for them. That was the part that Nebuchadnezzar was just blown away by it. It's like he's in the presence of a power that's bigger than anything he knew or experienced. I want to suggest when we live out our convictions, God's power is on display. I've told you before, one of the things, it's a very simple principle of discipleship, but it's one of the things that we most struggle with, is our, our obedience is what releases the power of God. And that becomes obvious to everyone around us. When God asks us to do something, and we know that the right thing, the biblical thing to do is this, but there's a lot of pressure to do something else. And when we choose and say, Lord... I'm going to follow you. I'm going to, I'm going to financially take this step instead of this one that would be easier. God, I'm going to in this relationship. I'm going to do this, even though I don't want to, and it's hard. Whatever it is, whatever it is, and when you come to that crossroad, and you know he's asking you to step this way, and the flesh, convenience, easy road is this way, and you follow him, that's obedience, and that's where the power of God is released. So many Christians sit in Bible studies for years, and they never experience the power of God, but I've studied, I've done, you know, and they, they, quote more scripture than all of us but they don't know anything about the power of god because they've never actually acted on it but the minute you take a step and you act on it that's when the power of god it's like oh my gosh look what the lord did and it may not be as dramatic as what they experienced or it could be i don't know i do know that's the moment when now you begin to walk in that truth and that truth begins to set you free it's like wow but what's interesting is not only does, does our faith get built as we see the power of God manifest through those steps of obedience, but people around us, they begin to see, oh, the power of God. And it can be in a hundred different little ways and in some really big ways. People will see that even if you go through the fire, and understand there's no promise here saying we won't go through the fire. Do not hear that. Sean said, no matter what we do, everything will be grozy. Yeah, Sean didn't say that. Because okay? the word doesn't say that. We cannot give that promise. What I am saying is people will look and see that even if you go through the fire, even when we go through the fire, because I think we all will at some point or another, you won't get burned. I love that description. It says, they, 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 their clothes didn't smell. Their hair wasn't singed. It's like they'd never been there. Isaiah 43, 1-3 through 3 says something similar. It says, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who's formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. When you walk through fire, wait a minute, Lord, you're saying we're going to walk through fire? Yes. It just ha- it's a part of life. You follow me, you live in this world, you're gonna, from time to time, walk through the fire. But the flame, but you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. In other words, you go through the water, but you're not overwhelmed. You go through the fire, but you don't get burned. And what I mean by that is, have you ever known somebody to go through, a person of faith, walk through something horrible, and they come out, and it's almost like their faith is bigger. Their attitude is sweeter. They're not bitter. They're not angry. And it's like, you just went through an unbelievable fire. I don't smell any smoke on you. Come here. You know. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? They don't have that residue of anger, bitterness, resentment, the smell of the fire. Oh, they went through the fire. It's real. They fought cancer. They lost a loved one. Someone left them. They lost a child. Whatever. You know, there's lots of things we walk through. But these people of faith, when you live your convictions in the context of even the fire, it's like you don't smell burned. Because you weren't alone. You were in the presence of Jesus. The power to inspire is found in fearlessly living out your convictions. Last thing. When we fearlessly live out our convictions, people see the glory of God. I love how Nebuchadnezzar just praises God. And again, it gets a little crazy. Okay, this is the pagan king, you know, kind of evangelism. Anybody who says this is going to be torn from limb to limb, okay? okay well, you know, we can't really do that. But look at how he was, was chanting and, and he comes to believe there is no God but this God of Israel, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When we fearlessly live our convictions, people will see the glory of God. And folks, let me tell you something. That is what is most desperately needed. God's glory on display. God's glory, his preeminence, he is over all. And one of the things, if we want the world, and, and I, okay, we can talk about the world out there, the media, whatever, whatever. Forget that. Our world. Our world. The people who see us know us. Okay. I'm not, you know, bottom line, I I may get to think, hey, I can't change the world, but I can sure change my world and by such influence the whole world. When I begin to live my convictions, people see the glory of God. When you begin to live your convictions, people in your circle, and that circle expands. When this church begins, when we all begin to live our convictions, the people of this community begin to take notice and begin to see the glory of God on display, and that is desperately what is needed to change the hearts and the minds of this nation people of God, standing for their convictions, living Jesus, speaking the truth in love, manifesting the presence and the reality of Jesus. That'll change the world. See, to change the world, we don't need to have all the answers. And I think we worry about that. Well, but if they say this, I gotta say this, I don't know, I, can't. I so I better shut up, I better not say anything. Yeah, no. That, that, just stand up for your convictions. Just let Jesus live through you. We don't need all the answers to change the world. Change the world, we don't need bigger and better methods. We really don't. To change the world, we don't need to correct every error in the world. Okay? What we need is to live Jesus. Let him take care of that. Live Jesus. Follow Jesus. Let him live through us. I want to say real quickly, um, if you're here and you're listening, you say, I've got to be honest. There's a disconnect between, I guess, my professed convictions and my behavior. Um, instead of beating yourself up, instead of just heaping condemnation, um, what you need to do is repent. You know, we think of repentance. Oh, that's hard. That's a, that's a bad news message. No, it's not. That's the good news message. That's what Jesus said. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. What that means is I'm walking my own way, and I recognize it's not working. I'm a sinner. The, the stuff in my life is not working. Even as a follower of Jesus, we go, I'm not living up to my convictions. I want to challenge you. Just turn. That's what repentance means. You go to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't want my way anymore. I want your way. And you turn and repent. Please forgive me, Jesus and then you change your mind and you say, okay, I'm going to follow you. If you find there's this disconnect between what you believe your convictions are and what your behavior says, you need to repent. See, that's Jesus' model of life change, repentance. And it works every time. Ask him for forgiveness, turn, and he comes and he empowers. And then if you stumble and fall, you repent again. Jesus, I'm sorry, forgive me. I want to turn, I want to follow you couple things, real practical things you can do <clears throat> to, to, I think, raise kind of that sense of living, fearlessly living our convictions. First thing, number one, if you've been compromising, you know you've been compromising. If there's an area where you know, maybe it's a relationship. I've been compromising what I believe to keep this relationship. Or I've been compromising what I believe. And it could be a dating relationship, it could be at work, it could be a client. If you've been compromising, ask for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness. If you know that, just say, Lord, please forgive me. Please forgive me. Second, pray for courage. Lord, give me the courage to stand on my convictions, to stand up for what I know to be your truth, for what I know what you've asked me to be about. A third thing I want to encourage us to do, identify areas where you feel pressure to compromise, then refuse. So you may, it may not be that you've, had some big compromise, but you might, it's, I think it's worth noting when you're in your quiet time, just you and the Lord, you know, beginning of your week, just stop, just stop and sit down and say, Lord, where are some areas that I feel pressure to compromise? Maybe at work you find yourself regularly pressured to compromise what you know to be right biblically, your convictions. Make note of that. And then I want to encourage you, refuse to do that. When you feel the nudge of the Holy Spirit say, saying, yeah, don't do that, follow the Holy Spirit there's a relationship that you feel pressure to compromise your convictions, refuse. And if the person says, well, then I'm going to break off the relationship, okay. I, mean, I, I know that may sound hard, but it's better than living in a relationship where you are being torn inside because you're being asked to compromise your convictions. Let me just tell you, if that's a regular part of a relationship that you're in, you're better off without that relationship, I promise. So look for those areas where you feel pressure. To compromise your convictions and then refuse. Fourth, fourth thing, uh, become accountable to someone. Become accountable. This is a great way to help yourself deal with the temptation to cave or the temptation to to compromise, and that is, tell someone you love. You know, that's why we do community groups. If in your community group, if there's a couple people, maybe your whole group. I don't know. Just, just share with someone or a group of small group of someone that I am always tempted to compromise this at work or in this relationship or in this thing. I'm tempted to compromise. I want you guys to pray for me and I want you to ask me about that next week and then every week until I get victory over this. And then give them permission. When they come back next week, don't be mad. Mind your own business. Who are you to judge? You know, don't do that. Don't pull that card when you've asked them to help you. Because it's one of the best things that will help you. Because when you're in that moment and you're tempted to cave, you, knowing someone's going to ask you, okay, it's one thing, because uh, we, we play these weird mind games. Well, God will forgive me. I know he sees, but he'll forgive me. But that person who's going to ask you, yeah, they're not God. They'll just be disappointed. And it's, it's a powerful, effective way to deal with that. So I want to encourage you. Find somebody to get a Pray and give them permission to ask you about it. I really believe if we will become people who stand up for our convictions that doesn't mean people are going to agree with us that does not mean they're going to like it but i do think some of this disregard and disrespect i think we've earned some of it some of it's unfair some of some of it we've probably earned and i do believe god wants to turn that around
1: that's pastor sean azaro you've been listening to radio for real life and if you'd like to hear this full message called the power to inspire it's available right now on demand at reallife.org And there, if you're able to bless back, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Again, look for the Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park. The service time's on Saturday nights at 5 and Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Radio for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church hope you join us again next time for more real life
0: three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells